Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking organizing your money for 2024 with Elena Fingal. Yeah, so how do you feel when I say... The container store, <laughs> because if you've never been before, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Like it's simply a retailer that's dedicated to the organization of everything from Christmas decorations, the tools in the garage, to your shoes in the closet. But last I checked, they didn't have anything specific to organize your personal finances. And that's why we're lucky enough to be joined by the woman behind the organized money, Elena Fingal. The Organized Money, it's an incredible resource. It's a site, a blog. Uh, Elena creates a ton of videos over on YouTube where she has nearly 200,000 subscribers. And her goal is to help folks to build wealth by helping them to organize their money. And as a certified financial coach and author, Elena is on a mission to help folks find financial peace by utilizing the different systems that work for them. And, you know, regardless of the thought of getting organized, if that lights you up, maybe you're more of a type A personality or maybe you're feeling a little nervous right now maybe you're more of a of a free spirit regardless having some sense of organization is so important when it comes to building wealth and that's why we're pumped to be talking with elena thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here matt looked to me by the way when he said free spirits a little nervous <laughs> yeah my armpits are a little sweaty uh, elena organization not my strong suit matt's it is uh we'll, we'll get into that but all right our first question for everyone who comes on the podcast matt and i we like to splurge on craft beer is something that we spend some would say too much money on while we're <laughs> still being wise we're saving and investing for our future what's that for you like what what do you like to splurge on while you're still being smart with your money my favorite thing to splurge on, if you've ever been on my channel, it is planners. So I love all <laughs> things stationary. I love planners. I love notebooks. I love pens. And I will go all out on the type of planner that I want for the year. So it is definitely my favorite thing. <laughs> okay. So have you always been like super organized when it comes to yourself and your life or and specifically too, feel free to apply that to money have you always been organized with money or was there some sort of turning point for you so i i can say i've had an on and off love hate relationship with my organization journey probably my entire life so my mom is my huge inspiration and she's extremely organized has been my entire life and so I took it for granted when I was younger 
And I got my, she gave me my first planner when I was like 10 years old and I tossed it aside (laughs) and I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to clean my room. I have this organized chaos thing going on. And so it was like that probably until um, I was pregnant with my first child. When me and my husband got married, we definitely were yellow type of people where you only live once. We're going to have fun paycheck to paycheck. And then I got pregnant. And once I got pregnant with um, our first child, it started, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that we're going to have this entire life that we're completely responsible (laughs) for. And I don't have any money. I don't have anything saved. I need to make sure that I am ready to take on this life that is coming into the world. And then that's when I started to take my money organization way more seriously because I wanted to be more prepared for her. Yeah. Having having a kid, expanding your family, that'll be the kick in the pants that a lot of people need to make some significant changes to their life, to their lifestyle, right? I mean, I think that is that causes some people to to give up drinking not matt and i of course we're still drinking beer uh, but it, it really does moderate like, yeah type just of way. still moderation right <laughs> uh, but that is that, that is a big life stage that causes people to make significant changes and so instead of like oh i know it's under that pile of shirts over there it's like no no, no the pile of shirts is coming off the floor i gotta actually have everything kind of easily accessible how big of a hurdle in your opinion elena is a lack of organization when it comes to people making progress with their money is is organization or a lack thereof like hindering people significantly i believe it is and i i ultimately started this company because and i called it the organized money for a very specific time in my life i remember when i started trying to start to budget that's how i started i said you know what let me just create a budget and i'm going to use that for this particular week well i created a budget on sunday and i felt like i had all of the pieces in place and then monday i went to work and i realized i forgot my lunch and it was like this snowball effect of anything that could go wrong did go wrong and so it was raining that day i had to buy an umbrella i left my lunch so i had to buy lunch i forgot different things and so i wasn't doing all of the things that i needed to do and my budget was basically broken or busted by wednesday of that same week wow and and what i realized (laughs) hey that's real life man a lot of people face that they're trying to get on the horse and then the horse bucks them off and then they don't know how to proceed exactly and so that's when i realized how much my life organization or how much planning or just thinking about my week ahead of time would affect my money Anytime I did not think about my week and I did not look at how many events I had this week that's possibly going to cost me money or what do I have to do that's possibly going to cost me money and how would that affect my budget overall? Anytime I did not do that ahead of time, I always broke my budget. But anytime I did Mm. kind of think ahead and think about my money and think about all of the other things that were surrounding it, I did better with my money. So I realized the more organized I was, the better I did overall with saving, making, anything that required had to do with my money, the more organized I was, it all improved. So is that something you still do? Is it like, hey, on my calendar, Thursday night, looks like there's this fiesta with friends, whatever. I mean, it's, or or Saturday, I'm going to this cute artsy thing with my mom or something, and I'll probably pick up a couple things there. Is it literally, are you like putting price tags on the events on your calendar? How's that, what does that look like in practice? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I I will look, I will say, oh, I'm going to a restaurant with my friends. Where are we going? We're going to this Mexican restaurant. Let me glance over the menu really quick. And I'll say, oh, I might want an appetizer in this. And I'll estimate how much that event is going to cost me. And I say, okay, well, when I get paid on Friday, I wanna make sure I take out 50 extra dollars or 75 extra dollars and put it aside for that time that I'm going to be with my friends at this Mexican restaurant. And doing that one little extra step where I'm comparing the events and how much extra money I have left over has helped me tremendously. I think that we ultimately have our bills. We know what our bills are going to be. The bills are going to come out. They're on auto draft. It's pretty much standard, but those extra expenses, those are the kicker. Those are the ones that really throw us off track. So that extra step of just planning those ultimately helped me with everything else. Keeps you from completely derailing your budget. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing you mentioned. Is that, do you think that that is the most core aspect of how it is that you, that you budget, that you plan? Is it literally looking to the calendar? Is it 
kind of forecasting what some of those expenses are going to be. I would love to hear some of your your top planning tips for folks out there. Yeah, so the I call it's called a money meeting. Me and my husband will do it every single Sunday. We get paid weekly. So this is something that we just kind of incorporated, but I always recommend that you do it before your payday hits. Like before that direct deposit hits your account, you want to sit down mm-hmm. and have a money meeting, money date, whatever you want to call it. And this is a time where you look at the bills that you have to pay for that payday. And you also think about what events or anything else that's going to cost you money. If your child has something that's coming up for school, is it a fundraiser that you may have to pay for? Thinking through all of your events that are coming up for the week or anything that you have to do and associating it with your money along with thinking about your bills ultimately will help you overall with your budget. Because like I said, it's not usually the bills. It's usually those variable expenses. It's yeah. entertainment. It's food. Mm. It's restaurants. It's all of those things. <laughs> that Gas and rent off. are pretty much the yes. same every it's month. Pretty, right? pretty, yeah. pretty exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so you say that y'all get paid weekly. So for folks who are like, that is not something I've ever had. For the most part, I've, I mean, I've been a, an entrepreneur over 15 years. But even when I did have a W-2 job for like a couple years right out of college, is every two weeks. And so for those folks, do you think looking ahead to the next two weeks, that makes a lot of sense? Or for those maybe who are looking at a variable income where maybe they're getting the bulk of their money once a month, do you recommend for those folks to look 30 days in advance? Yeah. So initially when you're starting off this process, I always recommend that you check in more often than when you get adjusted to the system. So Maybe if you are getting paid every two weeks, I would still say, let's just have a moment where we think about the very next week just to do a check in, just to make sure that we are still on track with the money that we have left over and the events or all of the bills that are coming up. If you have a variable income, then you may need to check in even more depending on how often you're getting paid, how much you're getting paid, how far off is it from what you thought you were going to get for that particular payday. All of that matters, but the more you do it and the more you kind of set it into a routine, now you don't have to be obsessive about it, but I like to think of it at least every week where I would just look ahead and lightly think about what do I have coming up? How can I estimate how much this is going to cost me? And can I put it aside some type of way so that I don't blow my budget? And that process, that routine becomes a part of your system and it ultimately helps you to do way better with your money. All right, so we're getting close to the time of year where people start to make goals, right? Uh, And that is a time-honored tradition in the United States where come January 1st, something something like three quarters of Americans are going to, they're going to make a goal or multiple goals and they're going to hope that they accomplish them but the dire reality is that so many people miss out on that goal right like the vast majority of people who who make a goal january 1st they don't actually accomplish it and uh, there's this amazing quote from james clear he says we don't rise to the level of our goals we fall to the level of our systems and so that's why we wanted to have you on it seems like the way we've organized things like is going to have a bigger impact than goal setting come January 1st. Do you think organization is kind of the key to people actually sticking to things to be able to accomplish those bigger financial hopes and dreams that they have? Yes. And ultimately, I think when we're looking at organization, we are really looking about thinking about our systems because that is what we're putting into place. We are thinking through our routines and our systems and the things that we can do on a day-to-day basis that can help us to achieve the things that we want to achieve. When it comes to our goals, I believe that the biggest issue that we have is that we will create a really, really big goal and no system around that goal. Hmm. So we'll say, I want to save $10,000, but that's kind of where it ends. And so instead of saying, okay, I want to save $10,000, how much do I need to save for the month? How much do I need to save for the week? How am I going to save this for the week? Do I have the extra money in my budget? to save that amount. And if not, 
Am I going to try and make more or cut back in order to hit that number? And we don't usually break it down. And so the goal just seems so incredibly out of reach, but that's because we don't have a system or a way of breaking it down to a small number that we can actually incorporate into our budget or incorporate into our routine, transfer this amount to your savings every single payday to make it easy for us to actually achieve that goal. It's important to have those those bite-sized goals that you can achieve. Yes. That's, that's, that's so good. Let's, let's yeah. keep kind of talking about some of these practical tips, Elena, because... I'm still thinking about your weekly uh, money meeting that you have, and you're talking about how you're, you're splurging on all the different planners out there. Make sure you've got the, <laughs> the latest and the greatest technology. Just kidding. There's no technology <laughs> in a planner, but I'm curious. It's analog. Yeah, it's, it's analog. And obviously, you like to take pen to paper. And so do you think that that's more helpful for folks when it comes to setting some of those different financial goals? Obviously, when it comes to planning out your week, in your time, that's a part of how you're able to implement that too. But do you think that there's power there when it comes to the ability to either rein in our spending or to maybe achieve some of these smaller bite-sized goals as well? Yeah, I, I believe that the biggest thing that you have to know is your money personality and how that associates with your system. So if you've never heard of the money personalities, it's a book um, by Beth and Scott Palmer and they wrote um, it's called the five money personalities and it's the spender, the saver, the flyer, the risk taker and the security seeker. And based on your money personality, for instance, I am a security seeker, which means that I like to plan. Planning is a part of the security seeker security. So we like to know exactly where our money is going. We basically are type A's who like to have our money planned to the penny. And so since I know that that is my money personality, then ultimately I'm going to love an analog system. I'm going to love a planner. However, you may be a spender who actually don't want to write every single thing down. You are not a type A and technology, you may need an app that you can quickly look at and be able to move your money around. Or you could be a saver who likes a little bit of both where you need an analog system and you also want uh, some type of technology around your money. But you need to know first, how does your mind or how does your brain like to see this information? When we are building systems, we sometimes we take a cookie cutter approach and say, oh, if this works for this person, then it should work for me as well. But that's not the best approach. The best approach is to think about how do you like to see things on a normal basis? How does your mind love to incorporate? Do you like to write down or do you like to type? And knowing those little things about yourself applies to almost every area of your life, including your money. And you, if you know how to do an analog system on a day-to-day -day basis with planning your life, then you will want to do the exact same thing with your money. So knowing your personality is first, and then you can start to apply the systems that you want. Maybe it's a planner, maybe it's technology, maybe you like to have just separate bank accounts for one for spending, one for bills. That way you know if the money's in spending, it's all yours. And yeah. if it's in bills, you know you just have to pay a bill. But your system is based on you. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of people, uh, they find something that works for them and then they preach that gospel <laughs> to everyone and they say, yes. the planner, the, 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 the act, like, and Matt, he's, he's all about Excel spreadsheets, but he also doesn't make it sound like that's the only way to do it, right? <laughs> I readily and, admit yeah. that it's not for everybody. Yeah, for some people, YNAB or Copilot, like whatever it is, wh whatever system is going to help you, I think that's really important because everybody thinks about things differently. Some people yeah. are like tethered to their phone, and so that app is going to save the day, save their bacon when it comes to for, making progress with their finances. For so. some folks, the cash envelopes, like that's yeah. the holy grail, yes. and you must do that. But yeah, which I'm, I'm actually curious to hear your take on that. Like, you, you are a fan of the cash envelope system, and, and it's not the most optimized from a reward standpoint, and it's also maybe not the easiest kind of in our modern society uh, where you can tap to pay and just breeze right on out. But is is that the best way, in your opinion, to help people stick to a budget using kind of divvying out those that cash at the beginning of the month and then like not spending money anymore once it's gone? Yeah, I, I think it ultimately does depend. I will say for me, I will use it 
for certain scenarios. I will say that. I I am probably a dual person. I share a lot of my analog techniques. I talk a little bit about the tech side of the different things that I do, but I am in favor if you are a super responsible person and you pay your credit cards in full every single month, then I would say use your credit card because you can get really amazing rewards by using your credit card on a consistent basis, paying it off and being able to take advantage of the points. However, if you know that you are just beginning your money journey or you are not at the place where you are able to trust yourself enough to pay off your credit card every single month and you are just working into your system and just getting adjusted, I would highly suggest that you use cash envelopes. And the reason why is because we have to walk before we run. And sometimes we get excited about the rewards and all of the things and you'll have someone in your ear saying that, oh no, this is a better system and you get to fly for free or you get hotels or you get this or you get that. And then you just end up getting yourself in a bunch of financial trouble because you are trying to run before you walk. You will get there, but for now, take the steps to build out your system and to make sure that you understand the process, that you have your system in place, that you can pay off this credit card every single month, and then you can graduate to using your credit card. But I think that when we look at systems, sometimes we feel like we gotta choose and we gotta stick to that one forever as well. And I am not a fan of that. I also, I believe that you can do different things in different seasons of your life. You can do different things when yeah. you feel more comfortable with different things in your life. And you don't have to stick with that one system forever and ever. That makes sense. It's not necessarily, like it, it can be about changing seasons, like different stages of life, but it also has to do with, like you said, being able to walk before you run. And as you mature, when it comes to your ability to handle your money well, then maybe it m- makes sense to then up the ante a little bit to some of those more advanced ways that you can optimize your spending. But something that stood out to me about the cash envelopes, as well as something else that you said, uh, which was maybe having a separate spending account. That way, you know, once all the money is gone out of that account, okay, uh, we're not going to go out to eat anymore. Because maybe for someone listening, they're thinking, yeah, that's that's wild card every single month that's where i blow my budget or maybe for somebody else it's groceries for a lot of americans it is the eating out it's the eating out in both of those cases i think the ability to set limits is what's so key there and when it's the cash envelope okay at some point the cash is going to run out or maybe when it comes to the spending account maybe that means all right well uh, that balance i've only got like nine bucks left so guess what i'm not going to go out let's just roll that into next month and then you know be able to, to go out a little bit more but i think like you said Figuring out yourself, uh, knowing yourself, that's so key to the success. And we're going to talk more about sort of the mindset and the psychology behind how it is that we, we think about our money here later on in the episode. But um, I guess I want to know, like when it comes to your budget, like when you do completely blow it out of the water, how do you respond to that? Like, how do you rebound? Because like it's said, you know, that, like we make plans. And God laughs. Yes. <laughs> so for you as a type A hyper planner, like how do you roll with the punches when things don't go quite as planned? Yeah, I've definitely had seasons of my life where my budget just was not working at all. And I, I do something that I call um, a budget reset where I am and I have an entire video on my YouTube channel showing the process where basically I will just start over. I said, you know what? This entire month just didn't happen. Let's just look forward instead of trying to look back. And a lot of times I will assess where we went wrong. And usually I can pinpoint it to something that I planned poorly or something that just didn't go as planned. Um, I remember one week me and my husband had planned on um, cooking a lot, but we both are entrepreneurs. We both have, we can have really busy times. And so we underestimated the amount of work that we had to do that week. So all of the cooking that was supposed to happen that week, none of it happened. We ended up eating out the entire week. And that's why <laughs> no one else listening knows what that feels like, Elena. You're alone in this. You're alone. And so we such unrelatable we, stories. <laughs> we blew our budget out of the water because if you've eaten out multiple times in a week when you had planned on eating groceries or cooking, then you know how crazy your budget can really be blown by just 
eating out four or five days a week. And so that's what happened. And I was like, well, we just, we basically planned that poorly. That didn't happen the way that we thought we should. We probably need, need to have a little extra splurge fun or a little money set aside for when random things like this happen. And so that's how we kind of say we would fix it in the future. But when things like that happen, we we basically take it in stride. I, I try and see if there's anything that I could have done better, but I ultimately give myself a lot of grace and I know that things life is going to happen. Yes, you can plan the most beautiful budget there is, but if it gets blown out of the water, then that is okay. And I think that that's what happens with a lot of us. We will blow our budget one, two times, and then we give up on budgeting because we feel like, oh, if I couldn't do this, this one or two times, then it must not be for me. But you just may be in a season of your life where it's just harder to plan. And so you just continue to stick with it, stick at it, just keep trying and keep tweaking your system until you find what works for you. I had a season of my life and that's why I mentioned having the bill versus the spending account. I had a season of my life where I couldn't track any of my expenses. I didn't have time to track. I didn't have time for cash envelopes. I didn't have time to go to the ATM. I just didn't have time for any of it. My kids were small. I needed to run around. I was on the go. And so I didn't want to use a credit card because I, did, I didn't trust myself enough to just have a credit card. So I just said, okay, how much money do we have? I'm going to put this in amount for bills and I'm putting the rest of this for spending. And whatever I spend, it's been. And when it's gone, it's gone. And that worked for me for a, a couple of years until my kids got a little bit older. So you just have to know what season you're in and try different things out. But ultimately, if you blow your budget, see if there's something that you can do to tweak it and give yourself a lot of grace and just keep at it. Yeah, no, that's good advice. I think tweaking and iterating is so much better than chunking it out and trying to start over and, and always trying to kind of implement a wholesale new plan. That can also... That, that can be demoralizing. And how often can you actually do that, right? And so the tweaking is is crucial to that as you're kind of figuring things out. So that's good advice. Um, we, we have more to get to with you, Elena. We specifically want to talk about kind of the mindset behind how we make some of these changes. We'll get to some questions on that with you right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. 
That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back. And again, we're talking about how you can organize your money for 2024 with Elena Fingel. And Elena, I've heard you say that it's not necessarily the math or the budgeting or like the technical details, right? It's, it's not that the bills are usually the issue, but it's the behavior that's the issue. <laughs> Do you think that being more organized can help to combat some of the emotional difficulties that we that we deal with uh, pretty regularly on the money front? Yes. So there are two sides of money. The, the math of money, which is about 20% of it, but the mind of money is the emotional side. And that's about 80% of what we are dealing with. And that's why <laughs> when I was talking earlier about your money personality, knowing your money history, what house you grew up in and how your parents talked about money all affects how we see money. Money is a resource. It's a tool. It's, it's something that we use, but ultimately a lot of people put a certain value to it. And it is the way that we think about it that ultimately affects how it comes to us and how it leaves our hands. And so I talk a lot about the money psychology side, like knowing yourself, knowing how you like to spend money, knowing what your splurge is and what's your favorite thing to spend money on and what you probably could live without. Because I believe social media makes us believe that we want it all. But in reality, most of us do not want it all. Most of us have a favorite thing that we ultimately love and we can live without the rest. And once we know that, we have tapped into our superpower when it comes to our money because you can spend, like I give myself permission to spend on stationery. I have a season where I'm just like, I'm gonna get all the stationery because I love the stationery, but I will cut back on other shopping items. I might cut back at restaurants. I might cut back on other things that doesn't bring me as much joy as stationery does. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think it, it sounds nice or it, it seems nice as we imagine to have like Elon Musk levels of wealth, but most of us in reality wouldn't trade places for his life versus ours just because <laughs> probably not <laughs> how intense and difficult it sounds uh if if you read the latest biography well mm. part and part of like what you're talking about too is knowing yourself and what makes you happy it it seems like like often we're mimicking the people around us and how they spend assuming that that's just the way it's done <laughs> the way that we that we should go about spending how how do you uh think about like and how do you help people come to grips with their own particular way of relating to money how do they get to know themselves a little more deeply and how does that then impact what it looks like uh, how, how they interact with their own money so ultimately i'm asking people to devi- define their definition of wealth what is your definition of wealth how do you like to spend your time um and if because time usually will tell us more about how you like to spend your money than the money itself. If we talk about money in the terms of money, most people will say, well, I want to travel. I want to eat out. I want to go shopping. I want to do all of these entertainment things. And they just list all of the things that they have seen other people do. They may talk about cars and houses just because that is what they see. But when we change it to time, Usually people will start to talk about the people that they want to spend time with if they didn't have to work all the time. And they will talk about how they, the hobbies that they enjoy or the things that they love to do. Because when we are thinking about time, we know how limited that resource is. And we feel like, oh, well, if I had all the time in the world, this is what I would do. And usually that is an indication of how we would really enjoy spending our money. Now, for some people, 
it is certain things. It could be, well, I do like the cars, but I'm, but then I would go deeper and say, well, how do you like to spend time with your cars? And usually they'll say, well, I like to take the family out for a drive, or I like to do and take road trips and this, this, and that. Usually there is something else that is tied to the value of the thing that we think the money is going to bring us. And that is our true definition of wealth. And once we know that thing, then we can ultimately get there another way. And we can stop spending our money on impulsive things that we really don't want and focus all of our attention on the things that we do want. Okay, so yeah, is then are you are you then talking about buying back your time with the money you've been able to save? Is is that yes. kind of one of the goals where you're pushing people towards? Yes, yes. So like for me with for instance Ultimately, I said, oh, well, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to work for myself. And I was like, well, is it just because I want to work for myself? Well, no, I really love being home. Why do I like being home? Because I like to be home with my kids and I wanted to be home with my kids when they were younger. And previously, I was an auditor. So I worked as an auditor for about eight years. But anybody who's ever been an accountant, specifically an auditor, you know that we travel a lot. So I used to have a week home and a week off. So that means I was here at my house for a week, and then I would be gone for a week. And for, for like four months out of the year, that's how I lived. All the way from January through April because it was tax season, that's how I would go. And it was okay until my child was born and yep. she had her first cold and I was in Puerto Rico <laughs> and I couldn't do anything about it. And I was just so incredibly upset. And I came home and I told my husband, I have to quit. I just have to quit. And it did not matter that I was making six figures. It did not matter that we were going to be taking a huge pay cut. None of it mattered. I wanted to be home because I valued that time with her more than anything else. So I cut back everything drastically. We cut our expenses. We did everything that we could um, so that I could quit. And I think that when we think of money in terms of that, in terms of the things that we truly, truly want to do, how we want to spend our time, we buy our time back and we are willing to sacrifice a bunch of things to get that time back in order to be able to do what we really want to do. Yeah. And I'm sure your husband was saying, I know you're an auditor, but have you looked at our finances yes. and what's going to happen when you quit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Elena just made him get two jobs. Right? Yeah. That's what, it's like, you're going to work twice as, <laughs> twice as much now. But I do think that there are some folks who are like, no, truly, I'm, I'm just really into cars, right? Like they might be into the gear or the technology, but regardless if you're into the stuff, right? Like for us, it's craft beer, uh, or if you are looking for the more intangible things, like whether it's experiences or like you're saying, whether it's to get your time back, how do you decide and figure out how much is going to be enough of whatever it is that you are seeking after? Again, whether it's time, whether it's things, because I think it could be difficult to say, well, it's nice to be able to be home with my daughter when she has a cold, but what if I'm ho- able to be home even even more time or, or even beyond that? What if I'm ho- home full time? I think it can be difficult to kind of maybe put your finger on where it is that's gonna resonate the most with, with you. How do you recommend for folks to do that? So ultimately with me, I know when I was doing this process initially, when I wanted to take time, I just wanted to be with her when she was younger. And then I had my second kid Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, it's just about them. Then they went to school, right? They got older and they went off to school and I was like, okay, so now what am I going to go back? And I realized like, no, I really enjoy having my time to be able to do what I want to do. And so then I started to tie it to a hobby, which is also another thing. You could have a hobby of collecting cars or in my case, collecting planners and stationery. And that is your thing, right? Like you just love this. And if that's the case, then that's okay. I think that ultimately we have to decide for, for me, it's not the, okay, having one planner is enough or having 10 planners, it's enough. It's the process of planning that I truly enjoy. And I think I decide that what, what is enough for me is when my level of happiness hasn't increased 
by the amount of planners that I have. So <laughs> if I have two planners and I'm super happy, and then that third one doesn't bring me even more joy, then that may be my definition of enough. However, for you, it could change. You may say, no, I want all the cars that I could possibly have at all times. And we ultimately have a personal definition of what is enough for us or what ultimately makes us happy. And I think that usually it comes when we start to compare it to something else. If it's going to take more money, more time, more resources, that's usually how you will define enough. If I know that planning and 10 planners is going to take way too much of my time, usually that's too many for me. And then I'll say, okay, what is enough? Maybe enough is two. And that's the time resource and that's the effort that I can put into those two. So I have defined that as enough. I think that the challenging part is, is that we don't question ourselves enough yeah. with that with that big question of what what is enough money for you? At what point do you feel like, you know what, I could be happy here if I lived here for the rest of my, this would make me happy. Having this amount of time would make me happy. Spending this with my family would make me happy. And being able to define that for yourself means that you ultimately really know yourself you know your money, you know that I am at a state of happiness that having more or less is maybe less might decrease it, but having more is not going to increase it. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about debt for a second, because like you, you're just saying, well, you may, gave the car example. In that case, a lot of folks, if they were to say, well, I need more cars or nicer cars or something like that, a lot of them would have to go into debt for that. And, and there are a lot of our listeners right now who are thinking, okay, one of my goals for the new year is to get rid, rid of some of the debt that I'm in. Hopefully, if it's credit card debt or home equity line of credit or personal loans, those are some of the worst kinds right now. What organizational tools do those folks need to have at their disposal in order to create and actually stick to a debt payoff plan, in your opinion? So the first thing you have to decide is which plan are you going to do? Um, I, I love to ask people who tell me, I want to get out of debt. The first question I usually ask is, well, how much debt do you have? And so many people cannot answer that question. And so the first thing you have to know is, okay, we need to gather it all up, organize it, and see how much we have. I love to break it down by consumer debt because usually those are your high interest rate types of debt. And so you want to know, okay, what do I have that's consumer debt? What is higher interest rate? What's my lower interest rate? What is costing me the most money every single month that I am not paying this off? Once you add up all of your debt and see how much that is costing you on a monthly basis, usually that will encourage you to pay it off. Because if you see you are paying out $1,000, $1,500 in minimum fees every single month, just because you have this amount of debt, usually it will encourage you. And then after you know your full amount, now you have to decide on your plan. And once again, your plan ultimately goes back to your personality. If you need small wins, you need to win quickly. I always recommend the debt snowball method because you pay off the lowest amount and that gives you momentum to keep going. However, if you're like, I want to pay the least amount of interest over time, I don't need the small wins, then I would say your highest interest rate first because you're gonna save more money over time. But ultimately, you need to know um, how much money you are how much money you owe and how much money what's your strategy going to be to pay it off are you going to use that snowball are you going to use you know the interest rate highest interest rate first and how much money do you have left in your budget to where you can attack this debt do you have to find a way to make more money can you cut back on something to in order to start paying this off but ultimately those three numbers knowing your total number knowing your process or your plan and knowing how much money you have to pay it off will help you develop a good system for paying it off in a certain amount of time and how much time do you want or give yourself before you actually pay this off. All of it matters, 
But giving yourself grace in order to figure all of this out is the best thing. If you are in a rush to pay it off, I always ask why. Is there an ultimate bigger goal of why you wanna pay this off in six months? Or is it just because you've seen that's what other people do? Because sometimes we will get attached to an idea and it's not a good logical idea for us to take on, or it's just too challenging of an idea. I remember when I first was paying off debt, I paid off $25,000 of credit card debt, and I wanted to pay it off in six months. Why six months? I don't know, I saw it on Instagram, someone else did it. I just decided, that looks like a good idea, why not? And it took me about two years, and I was just so disappointed. I was so incredibly disappointed. And ultimately, I had a friend who was like, wait, why are you disappointed? I'm like, because it took me too long. And she was like, long compared to who? Like, the fact that you did it is so amazing. What are you comparing this to? And I was like, yeah, what am I comparing this to? I was comparing it to what I had saw, but I wasn't giving myself credit for the fact that I actually did it. So progress is progress, I would say that. I love that. That's so important to keep in mind because some of those stories, and, and we share, obviously, we this, we talk about this all the time, but it, it is good to hear other folks' stories, how it is that they went about paying down debt, the different strategies they employed, whether or not they took on more jobs to increase their income or whether they're reducing their spending, You know, all of the different nuances. But hopefully we just are encouraged by that, not necessarily thinking, oh, we have to emulate this because, like you said, it may not be sustainable. And so much of this like comes back to what it is that you're talking about, which is that it comes down to us as individuals and what we know is going to work for us. Uh, Elena, we've got more questions for you, more money organizational questions for you here uh, that we'll get to right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back. We're still talking with Elena Fingal. We're talking about organizing your money for 2024. And Elena, it's, it's interesting. Um, we're talking about organizing your money. You've had a lot of great information. I, I specifically, I love how we're talking about how systems are, are going to trump your goals, essentially. If, you, if you've made a goal and you don't have the system to back it up, 
the chances of success are low. But like you talk about so many other things on the organizational front too on your YouTube channel. You have a video about organizing your email inbox. I, I could use some help on that front uh, personally. But like organization seems to spread to every area of your life. Talk to me about like what else you're organizing and and how you think about organization and how it how it goes pa- even past just finances for you. Yeah. So when it came down to my inbox, the big push behind that particular video was I was getting a lot of emails from a lot of sales. It was marketing emails. They were marketing emails because you know at the end when you're checking out of almost any store they will ask you your email address and i would give it to them and then i kept getting bombarded with all of these sales with all of these beautiful planners and so i was buying them because i'm a stationary ad right i (laughs) have a problem my name is (laughs) i have a problem and i cannot stop looking at them so What ultimately I decided to do was to create a separate email account that would be specifically for these promotional emails that I was getting on a consistent basis. So I would have a separate box that was specifically organized for that. And it it helped me to stop myself from the impulse shopping. And that's a lot of the techniques that I will do is I create a lot of strategies to help my per- my personality because I can't change who I am, but ultimately I can make it easier for myself to navigate my life and my money through systems that I have put into place. A couple of the things that I will do is I will add things to my Amazon cart, but I won't purchase my Amazon cart until the end of the week. And the reason why I do that is because I'll be adding things all week. And then when it gets to Friday, I'm like, I don't even want half of this stuff. And so I'll delete it out of my cart before I actually purchase it. Now, some of it I actually do want and I'll get it. But most of the times there is a lot of things in there that I don't want. I don't allow myself to late night scroll. When I'm late night scrolling on TikTok, I'm going to buy a bunch of things, right? It's just, it's <laughs> Especially easy. now, TikTok is a bastion oh of consumer shopping now. <laughs> it's so, it, and it's so overwhelming now. I feel like a couple years ago, it was not like that at all. Now it is so much shopping. And so I almost have to look at it like an Amazon app. Like I have to look at it like, yeah. okay, I can't go on here late at night. I it's a shopping app now. You know? <laughs> and I can't go on <laughs> when I'm bored. Sometimes when I'm really bored mm. and I'm scrolling, I will just buy stuff just to buy things. It's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry. Exactly. It's the same thing. I I will limit myself because of the personality that I know that I have. And I, I feel like when you know your personality and you know how your mind starts to work when it comes to money, you can start to plan your life, your systems, your strategies around that. So I will plan out my week every single Sunday. I will talk to my husband to make sure that we have a meal plan and we're thinking things through. I'll talk to my kids and see what they have coming up. I'll think about my events. I will set systems around what I'm going to buy and what I'm not going to buy. And even if that is too type A for you, just the simple strategy of saying, okay, let me put this money in my bill account and this money in my spending account every single week to make sure that I don't go overboard. But having those things in place where you're thinking about your money in multiple situations, not when it just comes to your budget, when it comes to your inbox. If you find yourself spending a lot of money out of emails that you're getting, how can you build a system around that? If you find yourself building, uh, spending money every time you go to the mall or anytime you're in Target, how can we limit how many times we're in the mall or in Target? Those simple strategies that we put in place can help us ultimately with our money. I love it. Yeah, what I hear you saying is that you've implemented rules to, in order to modify your behavior and you're also partitioning some of the th- different aspects of your life, whether it's your email, right? So you've kind of partitioned it there. Whether it's your money, you've, you've kind of curtained off certain amounts of money. I gotta know, I've been obsessed with time management before and you've talked about like your, <laughs> <laughs> your planner, your calendar planner, but how is it that you are managing and being more efficient with your time? Are you organizing your days and just essentially listing out the things that you're going to do and essentially sticking to that? Yes. Is it, is it that simple? I am <laughs> a hu- I'm huge on time blocking. So, so big on time okay. blocking. So 
Um, I plan my day by the hour, and I know that's probably really type A for most people, but it, it works so well for me where I will time block different things that I need to do um, at a certain time. I was huge into productivity uh, systems about, about a couple of years ago, so I would watch all of those videos, and that's why I probably I'm so into stationery and love all the planners, but once I found the hourly planner, it became everything to me. I would use my planner in order to plan my day. I'll think about the money that I have to spend and I'll write it next to that particular event. And I use that in order to stay on top of everything. I'll rework my day if my time is off track, but ultimately I am using my planner for every area of my life. Anything that I need to do, it's in that planner. And if it's not in that planner, I have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I remember getting a what, Palm Pilot or something back in the day when I was in like early high school. And it, 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 it's like what you were saying earlier, you have to find the right thing that works for you. That didn't work for me. Google, uh, Google Calendar <laughs> works for, for anybody. I was, yeah, yeah, I guess not. I was like the most disorganized person on the history of planet Earth. And then I feel like now I've got a system that works for me and uh, a disorganized guy can at least still get by. Um, it, talk, talk, talk to me for a second, Elena, about money challenges. You're a fan of those. And specifically, as like we're about to crest into a new year, there's something about gamifying your finances that can make it fun and that can provide the right incentives. Why money challenges? And maybe do you have a couple suggestions to help people as they're like, okay, cool, I really want to make significant progress in the first three to six months of 2024. Are there any money challenges that can help folks get there? So I am, I love saving challenges. I feel like anytime you do um, any type of savings challenge, it ultimately provides this type of game that you want to win. And it, I'm sure it's all psychology where it's just all in my mind. But for some reason, <laughs> having a bingo savings chart or any time, I just, I want to fulfill it. I want to beat the challenge. So I, I do this every single November where I do a 30 day challenge and the entire chart is a thousand dollars. And basically it, the numbers are anywhere from zero to $60. I think it's the highest amount on there. And I will just, every single day, I will see, can I move money to savings? Can I save money? And I will highlight it and move that money over. And the reason why I love that process so much is I always set a specific goal. And I always tell people, if, you, if you're saving money, you should be saving it for a reason. Don't save it just to save it because usually that takes all the fun out of it. It helps you to have a reason or why are you saving this? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just, I need it for my emergency fund. That's perfect. That's a great goal. You just to have. want to have a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we yes, always, you want to have that. We always, Atlanta, we talk about how the basic emergency fund should be $2,467. And it's not just because Matt and I made up that number, it is hyper specific. That's something that economists found out a few years ago like, hey, this is, this is a, an amount that will help most people cover any emergency that pops up. But I love the specificity of it. And I think you're right. The more specific you can get, the more likely you are to keep working towards achieving that goal. If you're like, ah, I just kind of want to have 10 grand or something like that that the more specific you can get it it makes it more tangible more real yeah and like even with us i i think our number for short-term emergencies was three thousand i i think whoever came up with that number is it's absolutely dead on mm -hmm. anytime we had a, an emergency in our house i remember our kitchen flooded it was insane. Our kitchen flooded, the, the refrigerator went out at one point in time, but it always came around to like $2,000 yeah. every single time. And I, I said, okay, well, we always need to have $3,000 set aside. And knowing that, knowing that, oh, that's the number, every time I had some type of savings challenge in front of me, then I was like, oh, I just need to save this 3,000. If I save 3,000, then we're good. And then I would say, oh, I need to save $1,000 because we're about to travel, or I need to save 200 or $500 for this, for a spa trip that I want to do, or, you know, just thinking of the little things that you want to do and assigning a specific goal to it, and then creating this type of challenge around it helps you to stay encouraged and motivated to actually go after that goal. If you just say, I want to save $20,000 and there's no reason to do so, 
even if it's your top priority at the beginning of the year, you want to say why. Why do you need that money? What will you do when you have that money? Because when you can define what you will do, you're ultimately more likely to actually do it. And the challenges will help you to achieve the things that you want to achieve. It's all about breaking those large goals into practical, bite-sized, smaller goals that are actually achievable that are going to allow you to move that needle in a a massive way. Elena, thank you so much for talking to us about your superpower, (laughs) which is organizing. Uh, But where is it that folks can learn more about you or they can look at the... Uh, the organized money planner actually that you've uh, that you've got up there on uh, I believe Etsy is that right yeah so I am of course I have a TikTok shop as well but it's TikTok Etsy um, also on Instagram but anywhere you want to find me you can find me on YouTube the organized money Instagram the organized money TikTok I do a bunch of videos around life and money organization if you're interested in seeing how I love to plan my life I have a <laughs> bunch of videos on YouTube because I am a planner babe i love planners and and so i talk about them a lot i talk about how they can help you i talk about how you can use them ultimately to organize your life or in aid of your digital system it's not that you get away from your digital system but you're more likely to remember 40 percent of what you write down so writing down your goals is super important and so my platform is all about teaching you how to get there and how to do the things that you want through life and money organization. Yeah. Elena, you rock. We love what you're up to. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, Matt. Elena's got a new fan in me. I love what she's up to. Same. Uh, her great. approach. Yeah. Also, her calm presence. Uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> As she fielded questions. No, we're <laughs> kind of goofballs. And uh, and she was just straight as an arrow, just uh, ma- t- talking a lot of sense yes. and bringing a lot of good information. And, and truly, like what she does, the way she talks about money, there's not many other people talking about it in that way. So I really yeah. appreciate, like, her organiz- uh, appreciate her organizational approach mm-hmm. to money. What was your big takeaway from this combo, though? So she had so many great things. Like I feel like the overarching theme of this episode is just going to be that if you have goals without systems in place to achieve those goals, they're going to be goals that are going to be unmet. Yeah, <laughs> You're not going to reach those actual goals. But when it comes to my t- specific takeaway, I was thinking... Okay, this is kind of funny because this gets this gets really personal. I was thinking for that I was going to get Kate for Christmas, like a organizational digital kind of calendar list thing where it's got like all the information for our family for the week, basically like a digital planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they make e-ink versions of these, but th- sometimes they can be kind of pricey. But <laughs> I guess just talking with Elena and hearing her love and her passion for uh, physical paper planners helped me to realize that that that's what my wife does that's what Kate does and she's voiced this in one form or the other as far as she likes her system but I think I guess hearing Elena talk about hey no you got to stick with what works for you has helped me to realize okay maybe instead of getting some sort of new fancy technology thing that Matt's gonna love and that I think is gonna change revolutionize the efficiency of her family be like giving her a gift that you want (laughs) basically instead I think I just need to get her another planner for 2024 she opens Uh, it she's like thanks honey (laughs) exactly but the 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 big takeaway underneath that little anecdote is stick with the different systems that you know are going to work for you and some of it is going to be through introspection but some of it's just going to be through trial and error look back and think about times where things have worked for you like when have you gotten ahead when have you reached your goals well, look at those specific strategies. But yeah, that's my big takeaway. Yeah. Don't don't try to force a round peg into a square hole. I, that kind of thing. So I, I have a bunch of takeaways, but I'm only going to offer one what just because you? that's how we do this thing. When she said we don't question ourselves enough, I thought that was like spot on. When it comes to knowing what's enough. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm-hmm. I think that's so true. Like that, it, it makes me think of our money mission statement planner that we should link to in the show notes for this episode, because I think it starts to help you ask the questions of yourself to figure out what it is that you really want so that you can organize your goals around around your personality and she talked about that a lot in this episode too that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach but i think the more we question our motives the more it's going to reveal kind of the underlying desires uh and the, the underlying orientation of our lives what it is that we actually want out of this life and how money fits into that so totally. oftentimes it feels like more money is the solution because then we can buy this this and that but the truth is why do we want this this or that and sometimes it's like a house of cards that collapses and we're like 
Oh, what I was really wanting was something so much more basic, so much more affordable, in fact. Turns out there's a corner I could have cut that would have allowed me to go directly to that thing yeah. rather than this roundabout path that involved a lot of expensive purchases yeah. that were completely I'm, unnecessary. Makes me think of the fisherman story that almost everybody knows, right? Where it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, you can... The businessman. Yeah, and, keep adding yeah. to your empire, and then finally you get to retire fish. and just fish with your friends. He's like, I already do that, That's right? That's what I do. So, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I guess just maybe question yourself a little more. We'll link to that money mission statement that Matt and I created well, this is such years a great, ago. But Yeah, a great time of year to do that too. Yes. I mean, a lot of folks have a bit more time off, so the ability to be a little more introspective with another year of life experience under your belt, I think is a great time to, to think through, all yeah. right, what is it that is important to me? How can I most directly achieve that? Well, especially when she said money is what, 20% math and 80% like emotion and head. Yep. Uh, and I think that that's spot on. So if you can kind of get that 80%, th- be, be kind of more intentional about that, it's going to impact that 20% in a big way. That's right, man. All right, let's uh, quickly get back to our beer, which was a phenomenal one. Uh, This is called Mistletoad. It's a triple IPA by Evergreen Brewing Company, and this one was donated to the show by Rihanna. And so, Rihanna, thank you so much for donating this amazingly delicious beer. I've shared my thoughts on it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. Dude, this was a juice bomb. Holy I, cow! So like, much flavor. You know, was those, packed into this thing. You know, when you go to like a, a basketball game and they've got the t-shirt cannon things. This was like <laughs> the that air cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they put <laughs> put like tons of hops in that and then like put it right in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I was getting from this one at close range in the best way possible because I love hops. It was like tropical, uh, tropical potency, and then this soft finish actually at the end too. It was just a lovely beer. Initially, I thought it, it might be too sweet because the first sip I took was just full-on flavor assault. Yeah. But like you said, the, there are nuances. And it's felt like there's almost like these muscadine-like flavors, like a wild gaminess almost mm. to some of the the, the sweeter Tastes tones. like venison. That That's through. what I think of when you say gaminess. <laughs> I mean, just like with a canvas, like every artist brings something different. Yeah. Brewers, same thing with hops, man. I mean, like you can get it's amazing. IPAs that are just loaded up with hops and they don't taste good. This one, loaded up with hops, but it tastes awesome. So, that was phenomenal. Yeah, thanks, Rihanna. We really appreciate it. And uh, Matt, like we said, we'll link to that money mission statement in the show notes uh, that you can you can check out and work on at your own pace. We think it'll be helpful as you're kind of thinking through organization and goals for the new year. And guess what? You're going to be ahead of the pack because you're starting 11 days early. Heck yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this one though, Matt. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.